And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, here we go. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Give it away as a Christmas present to a liberal friend. They'll thank you for it. Say, and how do you give it away? You tell them you you take their phone and you download it for them. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. While while they get uh, you know another helping uh, you know uh, of whatever you're eating on on Christmas Day, you just take their phone and uh, and download mm-hmm. it. It's it's free. It's not like it's going to show up on an invoice or something. Right. Exactly. And then uh, you know so right a- right as they're leaving and you give them a a hug, just reach down and touch the screen and launch the app. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's and, a loving thing to do. And so they'll be walking out to their car. Yeah. And liberals. Blah, 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 blah. All right. Tell us where we're wrong. Stanford <laughs> University published an index of harmful language it plans to eliminate from the school's websites and computer code, offering terms to be used as replacements. Okay. The Elimination of Harmful Language Initiative, which was revealed in May is a multi-phase, multi-year project to address harmful language at Stanford. Okay. The guide said its goal is to eliminate many forms of harmful language, including racist, violent, biased, disability bias, ethnic bias, ethnic slurs, gender bias, implicit bias, sexual bias language in Stanford websites and code. It added that it strives to educate people on the impact of words. All right. Uh, there are 10 harmful language sections outlined in the index. Ableist, ageism, colonialism, culturally appropriate, uh, appropriative, gender-based, imprecise language, institutionalized racism, person-first, violent, and additional considerations, which covers every word in the dictionary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Among the words the university urges people to avoid in the imprecise language section is the term American. Oh, okay. People are instead asked to use U.S. citizen 
because American typically refers to people from the United States only, thereby insinuating that the U.S. is the most important country in the Americas. Well, we are, but... I mean, well, <clears throat> we are. Yeah, that's... I, it's, so I don't know. I'd love to have that argument. I'm not sure Mention that, that response. Question. Yeah. Mention that response. Well, yeah, but well, we are. Yeah, we are. Well, not in soccer. It's Argentina. I mean, that's how liberal would respond. Yeah. It's a soccer. Yeah. It's, it's... They can say or claim whatever they want to claim, you know? That's fine. Yes. And uh, I don't know if, you know, I, I don't know. It is Stanford. So do you understand the name of our country? Yeah. United States hmm? of America. Right. And when someone says, I'm an American, then people understand what they're saying. Right. Nobody, Nobody's going to say, well, wait a minute. The Americas, well, Central America. Right. Mm, yeah, but I don't say I'm a United Statesian. <laughs> you could, but it would be stupid. It sounds like something I would say because it's so stupid. So you say, I'm an American. If you're in Mexico and you live in Mexico and you're from Mexico, you say, I'm a Mexican. If you're in Canada, you say, I'm going to the United States to become an American. <laughs> We're just joking. I'm a Canadian. We don't, we don't say, I, I'm an American. Except in, in Alberta where they say I'm an Albertan. Yes. I'm more of an American. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Texas American. <laughs> I'm a critical thinking Canadian. <laughs> Is that... Is there a hyphen in critical thinking Canadian? I, I don't know if that's hyphenated or not. No, I mean, that's just the way, that's the way it is. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I mean, that's how you say it. Right. Because there is no other way to say, if you, you know, I'm an American. If you were in Europe, right, and, oh, are you an American? Yeah, I'm an American. You know, or Yank. You think that's misunderstood anywhere in the world? Nope, it isn't. And if... They have a problem understanding it. I, I'm willing to explain. Um, uh, I, you know, I I can take whatever time you need to to explain what it means. And I'm not ashamed of it. And it doesn't say anything about anybody else but me. Well, it's not imprecise. They say imprecise language. It's not because everybody no. in the world understands when you exactly. say you're an American, it you're is, from the United States. Right. Right. <clears throat> the thing is, is that because what they're trying to do is say, well, it's it's like saying you're European. Well, what does that mean? Because there are, there are many, you know, the, the whole list of countries that make up Europe. Well, yeah, but that's different. That's not how the rest of the world. And by the way, it's not just Americans that do this. It's everybody that does this. Well, that that's because uh, the word America is in our name. Yep. We don't say United Statesian. Mm -hmm. Although, 
we can try and make that a trend, you and I, during the uh, Christmas break while we're off and see if it'll trend. United Statesian? Unit we're I'm a United Statesian. Mm-hmm. I'm an American. That sounds that sounds pretty authoritarian. It d- doesn't <laughs> it? United Statesian. Right. <laughs> I don't know about that one. As a uh, as a uh, native mm. United Statesian, I was born and raised here. All right, we're going to solve that here. From now on, mm-hmm. Americans just say we're Texans, and then everything is fine. Well, you know, I mean, it's just the way that language goes. I will tell this. I know I know this one guy that uh, every time I bring up Texans, he just, mm. he's a liberal and just yeah. hates Texas. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know about Texas. I'd never live there. Okay. It's like well, nobody's forcing you to. But it's just he gets so offended when I say I'm from Oh no, no. There are I'm, yeah, there I'm are from people. Texas. It's yeah. just like wow. Yeah. You know, I mean how do you live there? <laughs> I don't know how I wouldn't live here. I mean just <laughs> I mean I it's it's my home. I mean I, I don't, if if somebody says to me I'm from California Oh. Hey, how you doing? I'm from California. I don't want to talk to you. I'm no. from California. <laughs> I may, I may have questions. But I understand why people live in California. Yeah, but I also understand that that you know because I would ask, okay, is the cost you you know is the cost of living for you really high? I've had I still have friends. I uh, go to California on a regular basis. Right, you'd ask that, and you know I still have friends there. What's the cost of living like? How do you like living there? Uh, what, what is it like, you know, living where you live and, uh, you know, what do you, what do you like the most? What do you like the least? But I wouldn't go, Oh no. Now I, I have said that culturally, if you go to uh, the South Lake Tahoe area and you're in state line, Nevada, and you cross the sidewalk into California, you can see the cultural difference. There is a cultural difference. It's still a great state. Now, the policies of that state, you and I can sit here and, and have for years. We can take them apart because we think it's wrong that they put that on the people of California. But the people of California choose that. The majority of them, we know conservatives in California don't want that. But we've talked about that. But it's still a great state. I, I would never, oh, my gosh. I would, again, have questions. Do you find it hard uh, to live there with the cost of living or or I have a right. friend who moved from Oklahoma years ago, Oklahoma, and and uh, and moved to L.A. And she's a lawyer and she's single and hangs out with friends all the time. Uh, very active type of person loves L.A. and comes back to Oklahoma and Texas uh, quite a bit. I haven't seen her on social media in a long time, but um, she loves it in in she loves her uh her job she loves her career she loves where she lives you know and i i get it i would never you know demean somebody because yeah, I, they choose the, to live the, the, i don't think that person can even define why they hate texas except they're extremely liberal so yeah that and they are i mean they're I, i'm not you know i'm not labeling the person they will label themselves as as uh, as as a liberal but uh, yeah i just it probably be shocked but, at how but, liberal but Texas can be. But but I'm sure that uh, when uh, some people at Stanford hear people say I'm an American, they just hate America and don't like to hear that to begin with. Yeah. But yeah. other terms uh, deemed harmful in uh, this uh, uh, section uh, is the word Karen. Mm. Karen is to be replaced, according to Stanford, 
with demanding or entitled white woman, end of quote. Under the ableist section, the index urges people to use accessible parking instead of handicap parking. Okay. Died by suicide instead of committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. But you did commit suicide. Right, yeah. So if you're talking about... I, I, I believe Stanford is using imprecise language there. This would go to their imprecise language section. Apparently, they're in the bubble of whatever category they put you in and don't even realize by changing died by suicide or excuse me committed suicide to died by suicide they are giving you imprecise they are moving towards more imprecise language yes right. which is you ever heard george carlin say the whole thing you know the mm-hmm. whole uh you know about uh, handicap and differently disabled and mm-hmm. whatever and he said mm-hmm. actually it, it softens and he goes through if you ever heard the carlin bit where he goes through first it was shell shock you know, and right. then yeah. it ended up becoming post-traumatic stress syndrome, mm-hmm. where it sounds much more clinical, where shell shock was like, whoa, man, that's... Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, let's use something that's actually less offensive. He goes, when you think about it, maybe we should be using the offensive terms instead of the non-offensive terms, because it, it actually defines... Maybe it would draw more attention. <laughs> yeah, it actually... And, yeah, and exactly. it would get that was the attention point. it deserves, right. <clears throat> uh, so let me see... It also says people should use unenlightened as a replacement for tone deaf Mm. and a person with a substance abuse disorder and a person should be called a person with a substance abuse disorder as a replacement for addict. Mm. Why? Now, this is the best one besides the whole American thing, which I just chuckle at that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to. Oh, I need to make mm-hmm. sure that I say U.S. citizen and yeah. not an American. Yeah, fine. Yeah, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Go away. Uh, the index <laughs> does not offer an alternative for the word brave under the culturally appropriate category, but rather cautions against using the word at all. So they wish to ban the word brave. Okay. That's really brave of them to say one, that. One of, the, one of the greatest words in the English language. Mm-hmm. Defining somebody of great character, correct? Brave. Yeah, right. This is how insane they are at Stanford. Well, just, I mean, my, my thought would be if you're worried about how people are going to feel, then just shut up. Don't talk at all. <laughs> Stop talking. By the way, the, I love this here. Uh, the index also advises uh, using language with violent words, including uh, beating a dead horse, pull the trigger, trigger warning. Well, trigger warning comes mm. precisely. I'm triggered. That comes precisely from the left. The left created that. The right didn't create, I've been triggered by this. Right. But beating a dead horse, pull the trigger, trigger warning, and killing two birds with one stone. Now, Okay. You know, stand-up comic will say, oh, man, I went out there tonight and murdered. Or killed, yeah. Mm-hmm. I killed. Yeah. <clears throat> if the if the crowd is popping all night, I'm mad. I'm murdered. We were going through Akron, New York, uh, last time I was home. Nice mm-hmm. drive there, nice fall drive, mm-hmm. uh, where they filmed. Uh, if you see the small village scene, 
in a quiet place too. That's mm-hmm. Akron, New York. Mm-hmm. It's going down the main drag of Akron. And we went by Murder Creek. Murder Creek goes through Akron, New York. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And I guess it's because somebody was murdered there sometime. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so they maybe actually call it, for it Murder Creek. Maybe there's a lot of murders there. And uh, I don't know. Nobody seems to be uncomfortable there with it. Like, you know, it's it, that's the thing is that uh, where are all the, the complaints that drives this kind of change? I don't know. They sit around at a table to say, what we what should we complain about today? Well, because, I mean, and 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 if that is happening, to what extent is it actually happening? It's not. This is the problem with the left. And, you know, as we approach Christmas, you and I have been over the years talking about how they wanted to step out in front of something saying, and, and there's quite often. It's not that somebody is already offended and complaining. It's that they want to say someone might be offended by this. Right. Well, is anyone actually complaining? Or are you just deciding you're going to change language altogether and change the way that people act altogether because it makes you feel good? I'm an American, and I celebrate Christmas. Or... You know, they've got to justify their degree in whatever it is, political, their degree in yeah, why not, political right? correctness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they've got to come up with something new. How, how are you going to charge for those classes if you can't justify it? That's a great point. 86690-RED-EYE. Electrical systems are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Know the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention to help avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. Keep an eye out for lights that are dim, as this is an early warning sign that your alternator is degrading and near the end of its life cycle. Lights that are brighter than normal, on the other hand, can indicate your alternator is overcharging. You should immediately get a full electrical system check if you notice either of these warning signs. This report brought to you by Luberfiner, engineering filters that are built to do more for heavy-duty fleets since 1996. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Quickly, let's go to Dennis in Milwaukee. We were talking about Stanford here. He actually has a really good point about Stanford wanting to uh, uh, tell Americans to stop using the term American and use U.S. citizen instead. Hi, Dennis. You're on Red Eye Radio. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Like I told you, screener, I'm uh, listening in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but I'm I'm catching your signal out of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. (laughs) Oh, that's the only station I can get around here. Cool. Anyway, uh, WLW, 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 by the way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Great station. Exactly. So, first of all, if they're going to insist on U.S. citizen, then they're going to fall prey to the the law of unintended consequences by virtue of the fact that what are you going to do with the term illegal Immigrants or illegal aliens, or they could become U.S. transitional citizens, or what? No, you know, but you, that's, that's the first question I have. And the second one is, 
didn't the word America come from the first name of Amerigo Vespucci? Would they be happier if we call ourselves Vespucians? What? I mean, come on. <laughs> well, I mean, they'll, here's the thing. They'll never be happy. No, but you make a great point oh, yeah, because no, you make a great point because we talk about the potential of a liberal circular firing squad mm-hmm. down the road. We know, for example, that the left and the Democrats do not want to differentiate between immigrant and illegal immigrant, right? Which means somebody is right. here legally. They don't. They, and and so the whole thing is, if you use the term American or U.S. citizen. That's a nationalistic term to begin with. Thanks, Dennis. And you, and you shouldn't be using that. Yeah. Because U.S. citizen differentiates yourself from a illegal immigrant. Right. And therefore, that's wrong. That's a great point. holiday season give the gift of the red eye radio app merry christmas from gary mcnamara and eric harley red eye radio and he's eric harley i'm gary mcnamara 86690 red eye all right the air force has grounded its entire b2 uh stealth spirit fleet and will inspect each stealth bomber after one of the aircraft caught fire during an emergency landing earlier this month the multi-role bomber which was first unveiled in 1989 is capable of delivering both conventional and nuclear munitions. The 20 aircraft fleet is based out of Missouri. The B-2 Spirit experienced an undisclosed in-flight malfunction that resulted in an emergency landing at Whiteman on December 10th. No one was uh, injured. Did they release that as a press release or did somebody find out? Because I would just think that you wouldn't be announcing publicly that par- even part of your stealth fleet is down. Right. No, I saw that yesterday. I don't know if that was a release or if uh, it was discovered. I i don't know. Yeah, because I just happen to come upon it now. Right. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That yeah, just... you would think that you wouldn't promote that. You wouldn't release that information. Mm-hmm. Unless it was in response to, a you know, another question about the fleet. Or maybe you do step ahead of it. You get out in front of it uh, before the media gets hold of it and be proactive about it. But, yeah. Uh, and what was the price tag on that? Uh, I don't I, I saw don't a price tag yesterday that was that was. I mean, that really was heavy. That, that's one that came out in 89. I mean, there's the new yeah. there's the new ones that are out there right. that. I don't know what they are. What are they now each? I want to say uh, I want to say the price tag on this a billion? Is, is is yeah, but the the price tag on this project is going to be over two, which seemed like a lot, but if you're talking about I guess the entire fleet, but yeah, um, seven hundred million for the project. The new B twenty one nuclear stealth bomber. Oh, okay. Right. All right. Seven hundred million each. Right. Yeah, per plane. Yeah. So I knew it was near a billion. Yeah. Uh, the U.S. Air Force plans to buy one hundred B twenty one 
uh, radar stealth bombers, which come with a $700 million price tag per right. uh, per plane. So, But the reason that you want the thing is, if you can't shoot it down and it can be anywhere at any time, do you save your – well, you know, again, when it comes to intercontinental ballistic missiles, I guess the, the, the question would be, with the technology that we have today, is it better and cheaper to have, uh, you know, uh, air, a, a new aircraft carrier, uh, uh, stealth bombers strategically placed uh, around the world? What is actually what is actually safer, uh, more lethal, more stealthy, which gives you that uh, ad, a huge advantage, which can be a deterrent that keeps you from future wars, even regional wars. Right. You know, so you look at the price tag, you go, oh, my God, that's $700 million per plane? Hmm. It's capable of carrying a nuclear payload and can be flown without a crew. Yeah, the B-21 new bo- uh, bomber. So. Right. So I think the uh, to develop it was two hundred and three billion. Wow! But in June of this year, the the B twenty one bomber delivers a Pentagon supply extra supply surprise. It's under budget so far. So really? this this was not the B twenty one by right, the way right. crash. So right, yeah. So there you go. Hmm. And I went to the story, and I have to go through a paywall. <laughs> yeah, I'm not paying for Bloomberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, um, and, and here it is the the Pentagon's new stealth bomber may not be a boondoggle for once. Its cost effectiveness grows when you consider that it use uh, that its uses are directly relevant to U.S. security interests now and in the coming uh, uh, decades. The Pentagon on Friday is finally lifting the veil of secrecy on the latest defense mega project, the next generation stealth bomber called the B twenty one radar or Raider, excuse me, capable of delivering both conventional and nuclear weapons across the globe. Six are already at various stages of assembly at a secretive facility near Palmdale, California, but not that secretive because it's near Palmdale, California. (laughs) Each new B-21 is pegged at roughly $729 million, and the U.S. Air Force expects to procure at least 100 of them. Costs for research and development, procurement, and routine operations over 30 years uh, for that many uh, of the two-seat bombers are expected to total Two hundred and three billion dollars. Yeah, at this um, at this at this juncture, it may sound like time to tear into another out of control defense program. Over the last three decades, Pentagon big ticket projects like the F thirty five Stealth Fighter have been beset by huge cost overruns uh, and delay inducing technical problems. In some cases, they just outright failed. Just as bad, other endeavors like the U.S. Navy uh, combat ship. Uh, literal con- uh, ship that took uh, so long to develop that they were conceptually obsolete by the time they entered service by most, most accounts, including those of congressional critics of the prior flawed programs. The B-21 has avoided any major cost overruns and delays thanks to a disciplined program management, though the first flight to get pushed back six months and the real jaw dropper, the program has reportedly come in at $25 billion. Uh, under uh, budget 
So uh, the uh, Stars and Stripes has the cost of a, and in their story on this, the cost of the V two at one point one billion. But if it's Stars and Stripes and everything in the <clears throat> military is more expensive, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, that's and they're going to retire the entire fleet in the next decade. So. And and they do they say exactly what we had uh, said. The new stealth bomber should be exceptionally useful for defending U.S. Allerg- uh, allies in the Eastern Pacific concerned about conflict with China. Mm. Admittedly, the new bomber won't appeal to those who believe the U.S. military should have a much smaller role overseas. Though even then, well, long-range raiders based on U.S. soil soil excuse me could reduce the number of combat aircraft positioned on foreign soil, like mm. we just said, or even aircraft carriers, whatever. However, right. if you believe the U.S. should retain a credible ability to defend allies across the Pacific, including Japan, the Philippines, Australia, South Korea, and Taiwan. The B-21 should be very useful. But the, the point is moot. It's like, well, if you believe we should be defending, well, <laughs> if Japan is attacked, if Australia is attacked, if South Korea is attacked, we're right. going to war. No, I so, mean, so, if, if the B, if, so if the B-21 is a deterrent... Yeah. You know, it's like, well, we shouldn't be all over the war. We shouldn't be all over the world until we're all over the world because the war starts. They write this as if uh, the perception is, and it, it is actually with some, that if we build it, then we take it directly to war. We go, we find a reason to take it to war. And you need an arsenal to keep the peace. But they, you know, this is this is what is lost on the liberal mindset. When when you look, I mean, when you look at World War II, for example, and you look at the polls that were being done in 1939 and even mm. as late as 1940, yeah. you had roughly 90% of Americans that said we need to stay the hell out of this war. Yeah. I right. mean, you could see what we, yeah. was going. It was horrible. Uh, you know, a year later, a year and a half later, 90% of people, over 90, probably 95%, we need to go to war because right. Pearl Harbor was attacked. Right. So once you're attacked, you go to war. So it didn't matter what the opinion of the people was the year before. You know, the year before that, what matters is you know if you get attacked. So the whole point is, do you have a deterrent to keep? If you have a deterrent to keep the initial attacks that created, and I know I shouldn't compare one war to another, but I'm just trying to make right. a right. point. If you had the ability to stop that first war, you would never have to get into it later on. Right. After the enemy has, as we saw in World War II, you saw what we had to do to win. Why? Because they took over so many countries and so much territory that the United States and its allies had to go in. As we know, if you want to look at the the Pacific battle, island by island by island by island, and the death toll that it that it cost uh, uh, you know Americans. And I'm not making the comparison that we could have stopped it the same way that a stealth has the ability today, I'm saying you learn your lessons from the past. Right. And you build your arsenal accordingly. Yeah. Yep. So, but uh, interesting that it can fly without pilots. Mm. Yeah. You know. And they say a significant B-1, and this is true, a significant B-1 force might persuade China's military to realize that it can't count in a preemptive missile strike to sufficiently neutralize U.S. air power 
should it try to seize Taiwan, that is China, not the United States trying to mm. seize Taiwan, right. and may be deterred from making the attempt. Mm. Yeah. Yep. And that's how you do it. I mean, that's that's the that's how it is played out. If we decide to lay down and and do away with the weaponry with the arsenal, then expect that the enemy will have the upper hand. Well, that's why, even, you know, we had the B-52 flying, you know, beginning of the Cold War like mm. crazy. Mm-hmm. And even when we built the silos, mm. they were still flying. Why? Because right. you could take out all the silos right. and you always had B-52s in the air with the nuclear capability, which was the, a huge deterrent. Right. Well, even if we hit them on the soil, they could still get us. Right. So, uh, again, you know, it's... The one thing you can't win with many in the public, though, is you say if it's a, if something is a deterrent and you never use it, then how do you know it's working? How do yeah. you prove to people right. that it's working? Right. Exactly. That's the problem. Right. And a lot of times... Because, they, because if they become complacent, which we've seen over the years, uh, recent years, I mean, if you want to call it recent, but after 9-11... There was great support for going into Afghanistan. Then you get into the spring of 2003 and going into Iraq. And then public sentiment. And it's and we're talking about just a few years after 9-11 changes drastically. And we have a society and a free society. We have a, a lot of luxuries. And for all of us who are civilians, those, those luxuries are that... We get to go about our day with the peace of mind that a strong military provides. We get to go through our day not having to worry about it. With the with very few exceptions in recent history. And and those, you know, and then you your mindset is, well, we're not going to, you know, I, that's not going to happen. That's never going to happen. They're not going to do this. Well, Vladimir Putin is, is still proving that he wants to stretch the borders of Russia. North Korea is still a threat. China is a massive threat. Iran. Interesting that the B-21 costs less than the B-2. Hmm. <clears throat> Well, that's and can at do least so, we've created and, that efficiency and can right? do and can do so much more. Right? Yeah. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carly and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, good morning. Thank you so much uh, for being here uh, uh, this morning. So the uh, Twitter files yesterday, mm. and again, it was a weird day just because I, I, I was so busy all day and then went to sleep when I woke up. I saw the latest from the, uh, the, the, the Twitter files, and I was following the January 6th committee thing. I don't know how big either of the stories were. It seemed like the Twitter files, especially with the information to come out, 
didn't have a lot of buzz, but I don't know if it's because it came out later on in the day. I don't know. But the fact that the FBI, I just know that uh, that this thing is not going to sit well with Republicans. And what came out of the Twitter files yesterday was the FBI had paid Twitter over $3.4 million. They called it reimbursement. Actually, they were paying, they paid Twitter for their employees doing their work, the FBI's yeah, work at yeah. Twitter. Uh, Whatever actually, Twitter asked them to do. They, right, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, we're talking about $3.4 million. And actually, he was, uh, Schellenberger was putting this out uh, between 11 and, and noon our time. Uh, so it was kind of early, but there was a lot yeah, of January I never saw 6th. It. Never saw it, yeah. Yeah, and January 6th, you know, was, um, you know, the mainstream media wanted to jump on that. And I don't know, did anybody cry over Liz Cheney in her final days in office? I didn't see that, but I guess we can wait for it. Maybe Adam Schiff will. Uh, but, uh, you know, this this is should be deeply concerning, the behavior of the FBI and everything that Schellenberger laid out yesterday in the latest Twitter files. It was concerning for me. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we're Red Eye Radio. 866-90-RED-EYE. Happy holidays. Now, I say holidays because I'm being inclusive for... Christmas, Hanukkah, and New Year's, just so everybody knows, okay? I'm not being politically correct. I will sure name you're not. I will name the holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> I am not afraid. I have not been given any advice from Stanford. Uh-huh. <laughs> I am an American <laughs> yeah. who will celebrate holidays and specifically name them. As an American, I feel obligated to do so. In case you're wondering, why does he keep saying as an American? Because Stanford says you're not supposed to say you're an American. So, Yeah, um, and if they I'm an American, I and uh, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. <laughs> exactly. All right, you ready for this? Mm. All right, uh, first off, uh, this is uh, Biden with the president of Ecuador yesterday and the media wanting to ask questions, and he won't answer any questions. All right. And listen to the staff screaming at the at the reporters to get out. All right. Mm-hmm. You ready? Here All we right. go. All right. Mr. You hear him going, thank you very much, and pushing them out the door. And the president of Ecuador is like, 
President Lasso's look, looking like, what in the world is going on? Yeah. It's like, no questions. Right. Get out. Right. And you wonder when the media is finally going to get upset. You know, they've carried the water so much, you know, for this, uh, the White House, and they get no respect back. Now, and, and here's the thing. So, and the president finally gives an interview yesterday. Who does he give it to? One of those reporters who has been kissing his posterior consistently and carrying all the water for this administration. A seasoned journalist? A seasoned journalist? No. Drew Barrymore gets the big softball interview. I totally forgot she had a talk show. Yeah, I know. I had no idea. All, all I can see her is the <laughs> the uh, receptionist in Wayne's World 2 <laughs> at Handsome Dan's radio station. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the little girl on E.T. Oh, yes, the little girl. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Well... Um, at least they went for the hard hitting. No, there was not you know, a serious interview. No? no, no, no. Darn it. All, all, all softball questions. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, um, well, here's my question. Was he even able to answer those? <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Uh, but here, here, here's, here's the thing. Is, is, do they watch those shows? I guess they would if he's on it. Because I don't want to have to watch the show. Uh, so, Kevin, <laughs> if you can if you can watch it and, and, you know, pick out, you know, the the stuff you know we'll like and then post that on Twitter. <laughs> if you could do our, if you could do if our, you could work, do our for work for us, that'd be great. Yeah, if you could. Yeah, just look. Just pretend, Kevin, that uh, we're the FBI in your Twitter. <laughs> but we're not reimbursing you. Yes. There will be no $3.4 million. It's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Oh, by the way, Kevin over at Newsbusters, mm-hmm. uh, I saw the other day, happy first anniversary, I think was earlier this week. Oh, yeah. well, happy first anniversary. So. Yeah. They do the tough job of having to watch all the news so see. we don't have to. Yeah, I don't see anything. Yeah, probably, uh, I, I just, probably I just not. To, now, I, was it recorded? Did it or did it I air no, already? I have no idea. Because they, know. you know, they re, they record those things. Yeah, but I don't, you know, don't know when it's going to air. Maybe it did air already. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't pay attention because my my thought is they're probably it probably went down the road of. You know, what are your plans for Christmas? There was an audio cut that I know came out yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just, but uh, that was really all I yeah, saw. Right, was, yeah, right, uh, yeah. I got to see, the, I got to, there's got to be a transcript. I don't even want to read the transcript. <laughs> please, Newsbusters, please watch it for us. <laughs> we're, we're asking you. Uh-huh. Nice, right, please. I have, okay, I have, uh, I have one quite, I have one little uh, short segment, okay, All right. that, that the RNC put out of the interview. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Okay, and it says softball interviews uh, like these are what Biden uh, meant when he said there are more important things going on than visiting the southern border. And it's like doing an interview with Drew Barrymore. Here you go, and Jill Biden is next to him. Can tell her anything. She's got a backbone like a ramrod. <laughs> oh, she does. There you go. That was... Nope. Okay. That was what came up. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, mean, meanwhile, there was great discussion uh, uh, yesterday about the, uh, the the border, as uh, as uh, as we know, and right, yeah. and we have tried to ver- we've tried to simplify all of this for uh, uh, all Americans because the White House is trying to tell you that they're doing all the work they possibly can on the border. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. Now, this says the White House is saying that the president's working and the border is not open. The president's doing everything he can uh, to keep the border from not being open. And, of course, we all know what the president actually wants. Hmm. We know. I mean, we, it, you don't have to guess what his philosophy is. We'll play it again here. Ah. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. Can't make it any clear. And not only is he saying you should come, he said there should be a surge to the border. Right. Now, that's when he was running. That's part of the campaign. It's very important because after Martha Raddatz yesterday uh, on or uh, on uh, not yesterday on uh, Sunday on ABC came up with the bizarre hypothesis that the reason people are crossing is because the Republicans keep stating that the border that Biden has opened the border and they hear that and that's why they come. We all know that's a load of horse manure. Yeah, uh, we know that it's because Biden when he was campaigning said things uh, are we, are we ready again for it said things like this I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. There you go. And he won the presidency partly based on having that opinion. And that was during, as you pointed out earlier, that was during the primary season. So he yeah. won the, he, he secured the party's vote. Yes, because by promoting that, that's what he believes. That was a he got surge, the, the full the endorsement of the party mm-hmm. by promoting that, and then won the election. Yep. We're not making any of this up; it's in his own words. And so, as they try to tell you that the border is secure, that they're doing everything, that it's Republicans' fault, uh, you know, the truth is out there. And the thing is, they tried this in in early twenty twenty one as soon as he became president, put through the executive order, and all of a sudden, there they were. There, you know, you had illegal immigrants uh, at the border, migrants at the border wishing to become illegal immigrants uh, in, in, in the country or be able to get t- a temporary stay in the country. It's what what's happening right now and what you have. And for you people in Ohio, man, <laughs> You're going to keep uh, uh, electing, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, Brown. Uh, yes, uh, mm. Senator Brown. He was like, I, I don't know. I hear some right-wingers talking about it. Uh, our, our people don't care about illegal immigration. There's, there's nothing. I don't hear anything. There's nothing going on about illegal immigration. Mm-hmm. And he's just spitting in your face as yeah. you have the mayor of, of now of New York coming out and stating that uh, they're going to have to cut back public services unless they get uh, unless they get help. Uh, you had the governor of California last week come on and say the Democrats have to do something about this. You've had the state of emergency in El Paso. You had the state, the emergency declaration in in Denver. 
And so we know what's going on. We know it's insane at the border. Understand this is exactly what the Biden administration wants. They don't want to stop the problem at the border. They feel, in my opinion, if you were to look to the intent, that if they make it completely and totally insane, that maybe they'll be able to force Congress into passing mass amnesty. Yep. This insanity at the border is calculated. It's what the Democratic Party wants. Otherwise, it would stop. Make it so chaotic. Make it so noisy to where you just put pressure or you hope that people will put pressure to push for amnesty. And well, we that's kn- not going to happen. And we know the amnesty bill that was being promoted last right. week from cinema, whatever, right. that's dead. Yep. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's like, nope, unless you, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll start talking other things when you secure the border. And we know Mayorkas has lied over and over again uh, to the American people and just said the border is secure. And we all know it's not. They don't want the border to be secure. Nope. I think we have to understand that that, because they don't do anything to secure the border. They do the opposite. Right. And and we know that. And the public, and every Democrat listening knows it. That's the thing. This is, again, one of those things where everybody, the emperor has no clothes, and everybody knows it. Yep. Everyone knows it. Democrats know it. Democrats know. If you're a Democrat, you know the Democratic Party doesn't want to secure a border. Yep. How do you know? Because the president told you so. Numerous times. It's what he ran on. He got the endorsement of the yep. party and then ran in the general on this idea, and he promoted it. By the way, his word, surge. That wasn't Kevin McCarthy. That wasn't Eric and Gary. That wasn't McConnell. McConnell or Trump. That was him. Yep. Promoting a surge on the border. So you can try and excuse it away. But, you know, everybody. I mean, I don't care if it's Martha Raddatz. I don't care if it's Brown. I don't care if it's Jean-Pierre. This is exactly what he promoted, and he was hired to do this. He was hired to do this. He was hired hired to do the chaos on the border. This is to ensure that we have chaos on the border. This is what he promoted, and he was given the endorsement. He was given the go-ahead. Like everything else we see, the inflation, yep. the, 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 the border crisis, uh, energy, you know, energy prices, fuel oil prices, yep. what we have seen and what we will see when the, when the, the Democrats continue to try to uh, stifle fossil fuel production, mm. all of it is calculated. All of this was voted on by the people of the United States. The people of the United States voted for the insanity at the border. Yep. The people of New York City, where Mayor Adams is screaming, voted for the person who promised to do exactly what they're now screaming about. Same in California. Yep. Is there any type of consistency at all to the mindset of a liberal today? No. Any consistency? Nope. Nope. Tell us where we're right. 866-90-RED-EYE. 
<laughs> well, that's old Uncle Hardly, Hardly Budge, indicating it's holiday gift shopping time again. Well, it's not that bad. If you have someone on your gift list who takes great pride in his or her food garden or landscape around the home. There are so many gifting opportunities available to you that have that personal touch. Kansas State University Extension gardening expert Dennis Patton says just as paintings and decorations in a house can make it much nicer, the same thing applies to yards and gardens. So he says gift ideas along that line, maybe some art, sculpture, a fountain, or maybe... Wind chimes hanging out in the tree or on the back patio when the wind rustles, it just makes it sound so much more complete. Also, lighting, you know, it's great to maybe see something lit up at night. Yes, besides your uncle hardly. And also, many homeowners love birds and wildlife, so possible gifts there? Bird bath, seed, feeders, uh, also things that will help butterflies and other wildlife come to the garden. Uh, but again, not uncle hardly. <laughs> Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Washington. The USDA Report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Uh, Elon Musk uh, has not stepped down as a uh, CEO. In fact, has uh, came out yesterday and said, "Be uh, because of the poll that was taken, only Twitter Blue subscribers will be allowed to vote in policy-related polls from uh, from uh, uh, now on." <laughs> it was interesting because German Finnish internet entrepreneur Kim Dot Com responded. Uh, to the poll that he was taken, mm-hmm. where he was voted out, saying it was unwise for Musk to run such a poll as he is now deep uh, now deep state enemies number enemy number one. Uh, they have the biggest bot army on Twitter. They have a hundred thousand analysts with thirty to forty accounts all voting against you. Let's clean up and then run the poll again. The majority has the faith in you. It seemed like when he took the poll to begin with, because as you said. Doesn't matter whether he gives up CEO. He owns the place. He's still the owner of the company, and and right. they're a private companies, so he doesn't right. answer to a board of directors. And 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 so the we we basically laughed at the poll and wondered why he was doing it. Whether he was trying to find out whether there was a way to find out, you know, you know who the bots are by doing this, right? And that seems to be the analysis coming out of it. And then when he said only Twitter blue subscribers from uh from from now on which you can identify mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and so it looks like well this is a way to clean it up let's put something out like that and then say as he said afterwards you know you may not like you know what comes out of all of this right which would be careful you know, what you ask for careful what you ask for exactly mm-hmm. and it seems that it seems that may have been the track that he was on all the time like i said you and i laughed he's going to give up being ceo well, then you just get rid of the CEO position. And He's the boss of the CEO. If he if he assigned that CEO, just say he hired somebody to be the CEO. Somebody from the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just uh, pick a name right out of the air. Uh, Jim Baker. Um, and, and whoever he hired will answer to him. He's the owner. That's the way it works. He's still in charge. doesn't matter what his title is. Owner is over everything. 
I, I don't know, you know, how long uh, he will run the, that company day to day. Have no idea. Um, you know, we threw out the the theory of him uh, stepping down as Tesla CEO. You know, uh, which he may do and may not do. I, I don't know, but I would say there's a great, there's a stronger case to be made for that move than stepping down at Twitter only because he does answer to shareholders at, at Tesla and the board and mm-hmm. everything else. And so, uh, he might want, he might want to move on from that, but then again, maybe not. I mean, that's one of the, he's one of the people that, uh, it's in, in terms of someone who is very active in the public eye, he's still highly unpredictable. You can't get a, a read on his pattern of behavior business wise. So I have no idea. But it was clear uh, whether he stayed on as CEO or whatever he called himself uh, at Twitter, he's the owner. He's still going to be in charge, right? He's going to be in charge. (laughs) And he's going to be hands-on because that's definitely one thing you can say is part of his nature. Without a doubt, he's hands-on. speakers say play red eye radio and if you're really nice she might red eye radio and he's eric carly and i'm gary mcnamara 866-90 red eye bunch of stuff to uh, talk about here in the last little bit just want to cover all the stories that came out uh, yesterday twitter files part seven came out michael schellenberger uh had it and just i want to read you just the first couple of sentences to, to show the direction that it was going and then get to one of the specific things that we saw where we went, whoa. Uh, the Twitter files part seven, the FBI and the Hunter Biden uh, laptop, how the FBI and intelligence community discredited factual information about Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings both after and before the New York Post revealed the contents of his laptop on October 14th, 2020. In Twitter files number six, we saw the FBI relentlessly seek to exercise influence over Twitter, including over its content, its users, and its data. In Twitter Files 7, we present evidence pointing to an organized effort by the representatives of the intelligence community aimed at senior executives at news and social media companies to discredit leaked information about Hunter Biden before and after it was published, and then he goes into the entire story. But just to let you know what he had in uh, in uh, in that one. And what also came out yesterday was the fact that the FBI had reimbursed, or how we want to look at it, reimbursed or paid Twitter $3.4 million for those employees that were actually doing the work that the FBI was requesting them to do with Twitter. Yeah. That's unbelievable because you've got a money tie. You know, you talk about the intimidation factor, but now that you have the money tie uh, uh, in there, and then uh, what also came out that 
the number of communications on private channels. They don't know what was in there yet, but Mike Schellenberger came up with it the night before the the night that the well, excuse me the the night and then morning uh, that the laptop uh, story came out in the New York Post and the night before the constant communication going on uh, with Twitter at uh, that point at the same time as Schellenberger points out and the New York Post points out that um, uh, I guess the New York Post pointed it out that the uh, Hunter Biden attorney was uh, calling uh, the um, the uh, computer store owner. Right. At, you know, at that point. So, mm-hmm. you know, you look at all that, you look at the fact that the FBI was so involved in it, the amount of money that they were spending <clears throat> to have these employees do, these Twitter employees do what they wished them to do to the point where they say, okay, we better reimburse you, uh, you know, for all of this, which means they were using the Twitter employers. They were paying them, uh, in essence, as surrogates of the FBI. And the thing is, the FBI knew that the laptop was real. This is where the Republicans are going to just tear into this like you can't believe. When, yeah, I, I, saw, when I saw the money part of it, I just went, whoa. $3.4 million. In fact, what is cited here is $3,415,323. And that is just between October 2019 and the memo that went out, which is what Michael Schellenberger posted uh, which uh, what the memo was dated February 10th of 2021. My question would be, uh, did that continue after February of 21? And that is, uh, well, you know, we, well, what we know, was, we know the relationship. They were still part of it. Yeah. Uh, till August of this year. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, there was a, an email that went out in November. So the, the question would be, did that payment continue and how much money was spent um but then as schellenberger points out too uh the number of former fbi employees slash agents who ended up at twitter uh they call them uh bu short for bureau alumni and they had a whole list of them and you know there was in fact this uh it 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 almost became if you look at it like some kind of inside joke and the number of people that were going from the FBI to work at, at Twitter. Um, you know, at one point Elvis Chan, and that is the, the agent in San Francisco reached out to Twitter and asked, does anybody have top secret clearance there? And someone mentioned Jim Baker and he responded oddly by saying, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Jim. How would somebody who has been the go-to person at the at the FBI, between uh, Twitter and the FBI, forget about somebody like, like Jim, Jim Baker. Baker being at Twitter? As Schellenberger wrote yesterday, in some cases, Twitter would probe cases presented by the Bureau but come up empty not finding evidence of foreign influence campaigns. Quote, we haven't yet identified activity that we typically refer to you or even flag as interesting in the foreign influence context, Roth Mm -hmm. informed uh, FBI San Francisco Special Agent Elvis Chan in one email on May 31st, 2020. The FBI would also flag media articles on alleged foreign influence campaigns that Twitter would have to look up 
or look into and debunk repeatedly reporting very little Russian activity, according to Schellenberger. Time and time again, the FBI asked Twitter for evidence of foreign influence, and Twitter responds that they aren't finding anything worth reporting, Schellenberger writes. The FBI also made repeated requests for Internet data from Twitter that the social media company refused to send over, citing uh, privacy uh, concerns. As recently as August of 2022, Twitter continued to work with the FBI, which pressured the company to disclose more sensitive uh, information. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, Elon Musk bought uh, the social network uh, in uh, October. So, and... uh, I mean, you you look at this and it's just it's it's wow, and 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 you wonder if they kept asking them about it, and they kept you know repeatedly over and over and over and over again, and so many false flags. You know, were they attempting to set them up in 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 some way? None of this makes sense. Well, no, because I think, the, I think the, that's the, actually what I got from uh, as this was coming out yeah. yesterday, and 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 watching Michael Schellenberger post it. Basically, this was pressure and influence. There, the FBI, from from what I am gathering here, and in fact, he writes in in post number thirty in this thread, efforts continued to influence Twitter's Joel Roth in September twenty twenty. Roth participated in an Aspen Institute uh, tabletop exercise on a potential hack and dump operation relating to Hunter Hunter Biden. Biden. And that was organized uh, by someone who is uh, used to be part of the uh, uh, media. uh, In fact, former CEO of uh, NPR uh, was in charge of news at Twitter at one point. Uh, She's been at The New York Times. Her name is Vivian Schiller. And at that meeting, too, was other members of the media, including uh, the New York Times and the Washington Post uh, and other individuals, uh, including Facebook. Meta had a representative there. So they had this. And and what it points to is working to put this pressure on Yoel Roth. And he, at some point, did become concern because there was company policy and what could be shared and everything else. And this is where it was brought up. Okay. Uh, what if we get grant you top secret, some executives at Twitter will grant you temporary top secret clearance so that we can share more information and let you in on basically what we're looking at here. And they moved to do that. And of course, Jim Baker was already there at Twitter and it appears to me, or I guess my question would be, was that the case? Were they looking to build this pressure on on Joel Roth, who was the go-to person at Twitter at the time, in order to get in and, and really plant their feet in the ground and have a sure footing inside the walls well, at and, Twitter? And, and, and you, for example, I mean, I don't know what the FBI had to do with the Aspen thing, though. How was the was the FBI? Because if the FBI was involved in that, or involved in helping to set up the scenario that would be Hunter Biden, well, the, the, every, everything everything along the way seemed to be quite Russia influence, Russia influence, which then would justify everything to the executives of Twitter that you know this was the laptop was you know uh, Russia disinformation, 
whatever, because how do you get to that point? And there seems to be so many failures of when the FBI was saying, we believe this might be Russian and Twitter's coming back going, it's not. These aren't even interesting things. They're not close to being Russian disinformation. Well, how is the FBI picking and choosing? Why are they doing this? The FBI is supposed to be investigating criminal activity. Well, yeah, and and to be clear, that meeting was not just the media. The FBI was involved in that media in okay. that meeting. And the goal, according to Schellenberger, uh, from his tweet, and this was um, entry number thirty from yesterday in the in the thread. The goal was to shape how the media covered it then, and how then, social media carried it. Then you then you've got it right there. And I mean, you, you, and now you add to it what we heard from on on Rogan uh, from uh, the head of of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, and how the FBI went to them. Now he was not as detailed as what we're learning from the Twitter files. But now there's a ton of questions. How extensive was their pressure on social media? And I'd love to see this. uh, I'd love to see the files from Facebook. I'd love to see the files. Look, the friendly media, they're, you know, I guess you could call them friendly media. um, But the, the Washington Post and New York Times... They were part of this meeting. It was about shaping how this story was going to play out. And so you're shaping the fact and putting it in their minds already. This may be coming up, and that's exactly what happened. That was in September of 2020, and that's exactly what happened. And the New York Post gets this story because the store owner uh, 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 reached out. uh, And then next thing you know, Giuliani's got it. Giuliani reaches out to the New York Post. It turns out uh, Giuliani was under surveillance. Or something well, that's separate. Miranda, Miranda Devine from the New York yep. Post. She was in contact with both of them, including Giuliani. Right. And she believes that they that uh, her statement is they had a warrant. Right. Uh, a covert warrant on Giuliani mm-hmm. of charges that they later dropped. But they were looking at his emails. They were emailing back and forth. So they knew exactly when this story was going to be released. Right. This is I mean, this is just and then the money and everything else. I mean, this is just. Well, you so know, this and, is and the biggest stink bomb. It, you know, it really about the is. Smell test. This is a major stink bomb. And from and from Michael Schellenberger by mid September of 2020, Chan and Roth, that's Chan at the FBI and Roth at Twitter, had set up an encrypted messaging network so employees from the FBI and Twitter could communicate. They also agreed to create a quote virtual war room end quote. Or quote all the internal or, or all the internet industry plus FBI and ODNI, which is the office of the director of national intelligence. That well, is <clears throat> scary. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. And uh, finally, on the criminal referral, we had touched on it a little bit earlier in the show, but just uh, very quickly here. Uh, again, nothing nothing new here. Uh, this is from strictly the legal point of view. And, mm-hmm. you know, they we have we believe there's criminal charges. What? 
you know, insurrection yeah. is the first one. And uh, Liz Cheney came out of the box talking about about uh, Trump's inaction. Inaction is not an insurrection. Right. And so legally, she has no point there. On um, the second point, uh, the, the, the obstruction of Congress, they continue to say that because Trump got advice that he took and told uh, uh, Mike Pence, this is my opinion, you can do this, mm-hmm. that somehow that's an obstruction of Congress. Nothing in Congress was obstructed. Nope. Nope. It still went on. Right. And so very, very weak points. And the one, the one thing that they, they did, and I believe this will be recognized by even liberals, is now if the Department of Justice tries to indict Trump, it'll be viewed as political. Now, that's a great point. Um, and, and that the two go hand in hand now. And the question would be, uh, if you were serious about this, nothing about January 6th changed from the beginning of the committee's, uh, you know, existence. So why didn't you do this early on? Well, we all know why they didn't do it early on. It's about the timing. And Liz Cheney is on her way out the door and Adam Schiff will no longer chair a committee you know, right. after the beginning of the year. So you do this and you flood it out there. But what you're doing is you're setting it up to look very political, uh, special prosecutor or not. You're you're making it look very. I, I, and I, I wonder if it changes, you know, how it's approached at the DOJ because of that. I, I don't know. They never made their legal case ever. No, 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 they did not. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> Those Weekend Golf Guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.